This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Blood Red podcast. Uh, it's not Ian Doyle, your usual host, nor is it Joe Rimmer or Christian Walsh. You're stuck with Paul Ghost, but I'm delighted to say I have with me WWE superstar, NXT UK superstar, and uh, Liverpool's own Zach Gibson. Zach, how are you doing? I'm not bad, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Great to see you come in. Uh, have a little chat about uh, about the Reds. A little chat about what's going on in your career. A little bit of wrestling. Um, we'll start with um, obviously you're a Liverpool fan, um, but Boyhood Red, I assume, yeah. 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 So you know, how, how did that all come about? Was it through, through your father, your mother? Through family, yeah, yeah. Liverpool's my dad's team. So, mm. like, like most lads growing yeah. up, you know, my dad's the one paying for the tickets, so uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gets to pick which team. But then it, it's so easy to. Um, I don't mean it to sound cliched, but it, it's so easy to fall in love with a team like Liverpool mm. because, as I'm sure every other red will tell you, they're not your average team. There, there is so much. Uh, so much passion coming through the team yeah. so it's so easy to get caught up in it all especially from a young age and like it's one of the one of my first memories of of football of Liverpool isn't necessarily the actual gate specific games themselves yeah. you know, they're hard to remember when you're eight and nine years old but it's just walking to and from the stadium surrounded by all the all the fans and everything you, you can't help but get caught up in that yeah I, 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 I kind of see what you mean I mean if someone asked me to name the, the first match, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I, what I do remember was David James being like 40 yards off his line once while Liverpool were on the attack. And you know, I couldn't tell you what game that was, but it's just, just little memories that you remember from, yeah. from going the match. So obviously growing up, um, is, is there a, a kind of a first game you remember when you were a little bit older? or It's it's, it's not necessarily my first memory as such, the, the one that sort of comes back to it. I know there was... I know there was games that I'd watched before mm. it, but the thing that I always remember is actually the the treble under yeah, Julio, yeah. and it was it's not even a specific uh, win throughout any other campaign. It's after we won the treble, we went to see them bring the trophies through the yeah. city, and um, like Michael Owen was my hero when mm. I was a kid. So getting to see him up at the front of the bus and everything like that—that's the image that sticks mm. with me. That just summarizes the bits that I've sort of. Lost, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when that, I was a kid, that that's kind of like a an image that a lot of a lot of fans of a certain age will remember because they just went right through the city, didn't they? So no matter where you're from in the city, you will have seen that on that yeah. day because it just seemed like everyone come out. But Julio's uh, team were were kind of uh, they, they were functional. They weren't they weren't always the most expansive, but obviously they had Michael Owen, who, who was yeah. electric, and he was one of the one of the best players in Europe at the time. So was he like your kind of childhood hero? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the one that we looked up to. He was the one that we always wanted to be. But then, like, I used to, I used to play football myself. Mm. I still play five aside now, like, where schedule allowing. But um, <laughs> yeah, I always used to play football. And my role when I used to play was always, I always found myself dropping back and playing defence. And way back when, when I actually had some hairs on my head, I used to have <laughs> blonde hair. So Hippio was another Hippie, guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That I sort of got drew towards. He was tall. I'm <laughs> tall. He had blonde hair. I had blonde hair. And he was just class. Yeah, he's an absolute legend. So obviously you, you're a big Liverpool fan and um, wrestling was obviously the other love that you got yeah. into as you were growing up. Um, how, did, how did that kind of come about? I mean, obviously at the time, WWE was huge. You know, it's even bigger now, but... Was you just kind of seeing it on the on the TV and thinking that, that that's what I want to do? It is funny because I, I tell people this: like I was a fan of wrestling before I'd actually seen wrestling. All, all my friends liked it, and they were all talking about it. And growing up, 
like they were my two they were my yeah. two likes. It was it was football and then it was things like Power Rangers or which when I was when I was Great really show, young. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> as you go through that, I mean Power Rangers is this these big over the top, larger than life characters um fighting each other. So naturally you segue into wrestling, which yeah. is big over the top characters fighting each yeah. other. It's uh it was it was seamless. <laughs> and all my friends were talking about it. They were telling me at school what Stone Cold Steve Austin was getting up to that night. So I had to dig it out. Um, got my parents to Channel 4, stick the VCR in on long play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's just grown from there, yeah? Yeah, I just never grew up. Uh, I've always loved it. There's just something about it. It's a combination of everything. So some people struggle to wrap their head around it. They maybe don't understand why people like it. Yeah. You, you yeah. get a lot of people saying it's for kids and not anticipating adults watching it when I've wrestled up and down this country in front of only adults over 18 shows. So there's not a single child mm. in the building. The point is like pro wrestling can be for everyone. Cause there's elements of all sorts of things that go into it. There's, there's good versus evil in storytelling, but then there's ridiculous athleticism. There's comedic elements to certain parts of the show. It's, it's the ultimate variety show basically. Yeah, and yeah. it's just, it's, it's constantly kept me hooked. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get that when people, people say, you know, you, you you're still still into wrestling, you know, and you you think if you if you don't get it, you you just yeah. don't get it. But it, it's it's theatre, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of like you know that's essentially what it, as you mentioned, it's a variety show. It's got a lot, and at the end of the day, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a couple of big fellas slugging yeah. it out, and and that that's what people have always kind of been into, whether it's boxing, UFC, or, or you know professional wrestling. It's a, it's physical theatre, yeah. you know, like. People try to say this and that about it, but then as soon as they meet someone who knows how to do it as well, you, I've chipped every single tooth in my mouth. <laughs> I've scars all over me, and that's from doing it well. Yeah. <laughs> that's, from yeah. being, that's from being one of the safe ones. Um, it, it's really dangerous what we do, but at the same time, especially now with the WWE, we have the best team of guys around mm -hmm. us and you know doctors and professionals that look after us and make sure we're health, healthy and yeah. right. And it, it's all in the name of entertaining people. So... You've been, I'm sure you mentioned that around about 12 years you've been doing it to, to get to the point where you are now. So what were the first, the very early stages of, of you know, finding a wrestling school and how did that kind of come about? I was, I'm, I was and still am awful on, on the internet and just terrible with technology in general. Yeah. So as a kid, when you're supposed to be quite tech savvy, I feel, and I just, I just wasn't, I was searching for somewhere to do it. But I asked my dad, if I could do pro wrestling, I said, I really want to do wrestling. Can I do it? And he's absolutely not. No. Uh, not a chance. You never do it. He really came down on me hard. He, he didn't want me doing it. He wanted me to focus on school and get, get a good career out of that. So I went on the internet and tried to find my own place so I could just sneak off and do it. And I just, for, for years, I put out messages trying to find people. I didn't know wrestling in the UK existed mm. because my parents weren't necessarily into it. Like my mum always used to come down and record WWE for me, but they weren't into it themselves. So I never heard about giant haystacks or big daddy. I didn't even know there was wrestling in the UK. All I knew was American wrestling. And I put out a message on some forum somewhere saying, where's the closest place to train? I'm in Liverpool. And someone messaged me back finally saying, there's a school in Runcorn, um, which as I know now, which is really frustrating if if I wanted to start training now, I could jump in a car and drive half an hour to Runcorn yeah. and start training. But as a 15-year-old, that's a long way. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I didn't drive, it was, I think it was like two or three, bus. it was two trains and then three buses to get to the actual 
training facility, but I do it every single week. Mm. Do it with a smile on my face. It's all I ever wanted to do. I mean, I'd, I'd mention the age again. I, I won't reveal your age, but you're, you're a couple of years younger than me. Um, so for, for the kind of people our age looking at uh, British wrestling, it was kind of like the British Bulldog and William Regal or, or Stephen Regal, if you remember that. It's kind of like they were like the people who you looked at on American TV and, and I assume for the likes of yourself, it was kind of like, just how do I end up getting to that point? So the way you see it now with, with all, you know, how easily accessible it is for people who want to get into it, it, it must be so heartening for you to, to see that kind of progress. Yeah, it's um, it's a completely different world. It's even from when I started wrestling. So when I was watching it, like you say there, you'd see these very limited British guys on the show and you'd think how out of all the people in the world did they get that yeah. spot? Um, fast forward to when I started training, British wrestling wasn't in a good place. So even when we started, it was always with the intent of getting good enough to then get out of this struggling wrestling scene and jump ship over to the States to where all the bright lights and the big money is. And now you fast forward to the current day, there's a number of really good reputable schools where you can go and learn how to do this job yeah. the right way. And on top of that, um, with the sort of, it, it, it's not myself that's caused this, but it's my generation of wrestlers who have really put the effort in domestically. We brought the eyes onto us. And so people from abroad have started traveling here to join in. It forced the you know giants in the WWE to, to really pay attention, not just to running their own shows with Raw and SmackDown here, but to creating this brand that is NXT UK yeah. now. Like it's it's ourselves and it's the it's the fans being so passionate that it's just thought there's really something special here yeah. and NXT UK was born. And in NXT UK, um, you know, you're obviously so proud of your, of your scouts heritage and, and that just shines through like a beacon through you, you know, your, uh, you love the Beatles and obviously the Pool FC and you've, you've got a finishing move called the Shankly Gates and, and the Helter Skelter and, you know, that's obviously something that you're very keen to, to put across, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, it was one, it's so, um, such a polarising city, basically. When the more I travelled away, the more I realised this and the more I started incorporating it into what I would do. Um, all it would take is for a ring announcer to say where I was from and you'd start getting certain heckles yeah. and getting stick from the crowd. But then just the way that I look, I mean, I was born with this face, so I have to sort of <laughs> roll with the punches. <laughs> uh, the way that I look and then it would just cause people to start giving me stick and then I found that it was it created a really unique atmosphere like an away game, basically. Yeah, yeah. Where they're giving me stick, but I've still got to get the job done, so I just give them it back. And then that just took on a life of its own, and it actually became a real specific part of the show where people looked forward to giving me stick, regardless of whether it was a talking segment or actually a wrestling match. People just look forward to the atmosphere that I created. So you're, um, you kind of thrive on, on the, the, the stick that you get as a, as a scouser. It's kind of like... Say you're in, uh, say London, and from the pooling, and you know you, the booze come down because you're, you're a scouser. Yeah. You kind of thrive off that, do you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for for years, uh, the London crowd in particular, or the Manchester crowd, I'd say those those are the two that really came at me all guns blazing. They would chant, "Where's my car stereo?" Trying to get yeah. under my skin. Mm. So then, in a big match in London, which the result rarely mattered, um, I brought my own car stereo. <laughs> and I got it yeah. from underneath the ring and I hit the guy in the ring to win and obviously that 
that was done to wind them up, just to throw it back in their face. Yeah. Like, you can throw anything you want at me and I'm just going to spin it and stick it right back at you. Yeah, well, that, that, that's obviously what the heels are meant to do, isn't it? Get yeah, the, exactly. The, as they call it, the heat and the, the, the crowd on them because if the crowd don't dislike you as a, as a heel, then you're not doing your job right. No. And um, it's just about reactions and it's about entertainment and, and people having fun. I think that's one of the things that really makes the British scene special. If you look at the crowd, you can tell everyone's always having fun. Mm. There's, there's smiles all around the building. No one's sat on their hands. Everyone's getting involved. There's, there's a big football atmosphere, actually, within British wrestling of everyone yeah. just making noise and having fun. And then as far as, you know, good guy or villain, uh, the devil gets all the best lines. So yeah, yeah. it really drew me to being able to run with this and wind people up. I get a kick out of it. Yeah. But I'd, I've seen um, I've seen you you do... Uh, you were you were getting some stick from the crowd one night, and and you decided to sing a lay a lay a lay just just for just to just to further that kind of dislike, and that's uh, I've I've seen uh, Seamus do something similar when he, he did you never walk alone in Manchester, which is quite a, a ballsy move. Um, is, you know you're always keen to kind of put across that love of Liverpool, definitely because it's it's a big part of who I am, and gone are the days of you know this mythical wrestler, the destroyer or some out of space character. Yeah. Like it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more realistic what we do. Mm. And if you look at the characters, they're a lot more relatable. And I just wanted to tear my own personality up to 11 basically. And that's, that's essentially what you'll see on NXT UK. Yeah. And, and speaking of, of NXT UK, uh, it's in the Liverpool Olympia on, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what's expected on, on that card. So, when they announced the first set of tapings as well, they they let all of, let all of us know that they were coming to Liverpool. Mm. So naturally, I was was really excited. Yeah. It is this Saturday and Sunday, twenty fourth, twenty fifth. The Saturday's actually sold out at the moment, which I think is great just to see. You know, yeah. with very little extra persuasion, the Liverpool crowd have just really they've been dying for a show like mm. this. So it's going to be a really good atmosphere as well. The Saturday sold out. There are still a couple of tickets for Sunday. Uh, you can get them at the box office or on Live Nation, but the actual show itself—it's just been unreal so far. You know, we've done Cambridge, Birmingham, and Plymouth. Every single one of those, we thought we had something special in Cambridge when we first debuted. Crowd red hot, everyone enjoying themselves. Some of the best wrestling you'll find anywhere in the world. And then we went to Birmingham, and it was better. And then we went to Plymouth, and it was better. Yeah, and yeah. we've got the the best wrestling minds in the world. People like Shawn Michaels. Uh, Triple H, Matt Bloom, Robbie Brookside, all working closely with the talent. So every week, even when people aren't seeing it behind the scenes, the talent's getting better. And I think Liverpool's going to be, this is the first time with with a real strong build-up, you're just going to see the culmination of six months of hard yeah. work. It's going to pay off. And not a, as far as I'm concerned, there's not a better place for it to pay off. Yeah, well, I was going to say, how are you feeling about, obviously, performing in, in front of your home crowd? It's a rare home fixture yeah, for me. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels... I used to wrestle in Liverpool a lot. And then when I got picked up by some of the bigger companies, they just weren't based in Liverpool. I rarely miss wrestling in the city. So people started getting this. Um, you know, they, they only ever see me getting the reactions from the Glasgow crowd or the Newcastle crowd because that's where the big companies were based. Yeah. Uh, London has a lot of the, the bigger companies within the UK. So it's going to be it's going to be mixed... It's just going to be loud, basically. That's all I can, all I can say. It's going to be special because everyone in the building will have an opinion. Yeah. Not everyone's going to like me, even in Liverpool. 
but everyone will have an opinion and everyone's going to have a strong opinion. It's going to get voiced. And I'm just, I'm just looking forward to, yeah. to something a bit different, something a bit special yeah. for the first time in months. I've got my, my dad's going to be there. My family are going to be there. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask actually about, about your dad. Obviously he was so against, against yeah. you, you entering into the business in, in your, your early days. And is he now uh, one of your biggest fans? He is. Yeah. And to be fair, sometimes when I say that people try to write this headline of, he did it against his dad's support. My dad's always financially supported me when I was a kid. You know, he didn't kick me out because I said I wanted to do wrestling, but he yeah. was against wrestling. So I did it for two and a half years as a 15-year-old without telling him. Uh, I just used to sneak, sneak out the house every Saturday and go and train and then come back and just make excuses like, oh, we're playing football and someone came in with a dodgy challenge. That's all <laughs> that is. Yeah. Um, and I actually didn't tell him. He found out. I wrote a CV for a part-time job at Iceland. <laughs> and then I left it out the side of the computer and my dad found it and flipped his lid and yeah. came down on me. He wasn't happy, uh, told me off about it and he had to have a think on it. Didn't talk to me for a day. <laughs> <laughs> and then he sat me down and he said, obviously you want to do this. There's nothing I can do to stop you. Just promise me one thing. Promise me you're not going to throw each other around. So, so I said, <laughs> yeah, Dad, uh, not much Dad, chance of that. I promise. <laughs> uh, he's he's since I had to like wean him onto it, and yeah. he's since been to shows, and now now he loves it. And especially, I think even he saw it as a, a pipe dream, and maybe as a as a pointless pipe dream because of the toll it can take on your body. Mm. But now, especially that we, I am with the WWE, I'm I'm living out the the very thing that I have dreamed of. Now he, he couldn't support it more. Yeah, and I've seen you uh, kind of reference uh, professional wrestling to Liverpool's famous comeback in, in Istanbul in the Champions League final of 2005. Um, if that sounds a little odd on first hearing, do, do you want to explain what kind of what you meant by that? So yeah, when I was first coming into wrestling, like I, I alluded to earlier, it's the ultimate um, good versus evil mm. story. It's not always good versus evil, but that's a, that's a big part of, of any sort of um, storytelling entertainment, yeah, isn't it? So... One of the things I was first taught was make sure you've watched Rocky. If you haven't, I mean, I don't know where you've been living, but yeah. <laughs> if you watch Rocky, that's the ultimate underdog story, isn't it? And where I first started training, that was one of the first analogies we were told. Watch Rocky and you'll understand um, the peril of a, an underdog baby mm. face and what he has to overcome to beat the odds and then achieve success, which is the Rocky story. Now I run my own training school but the analogy that I use is Istanbul in 2005 because there's no better odds completely stacked against yeah, the team. 3-0 yeah. um, down at half time, and that's where most people would give up. And then just the ultimate good guy is some people that watch wrestling will call them baby faces. The ultimate baby face, Steven Gerrard, <laughs> firing up the team. Yeah. Gives you goosebumps whenever you watch it. So that's the ultimate comeback story. And then... you. Obviously, we deserved every single bit of success that we got that season, but it was an upset. Yeah, you know? yeah it was yeah. a it was a hard fought upset. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. yeah. Um, Milan at the time were probably the best team in Europe, and Liverpool had one or two stars: Gerard and Alonso, and maybe Sammy appeared. But you know what? What? What an incredible, incredible night that was. Can, can you remember where you where you were that that, that night? Hey, watching it with family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had um, basically a bit a big family party. So. Obviously, mm. I was I was young. I wasn't old enough to to go to the pub, and my dad wasn't willing to take me to Istanbul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we just had all the family around. Mm. It was a big party, and uh, 
There's some scenes in Liverpool that night. <laughs> there, there certainly was, yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, you touched upon the, your wrestling school, and there's something I wanted to ask you a little bit more about. Uh, based out in Magull, is it, that, that correct? Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's where my dad lived for a mm. long time, and um gives me a good excuse to go there. It's yeah. actually one of the first gyms I used to start training at. When that gym closed down, it got all repurposed, and when we were looking for some sort of cheap real estate to pick up to start running this school out of, um, that gym that I had been to a couple of times when I was younger, that's been redone and now the swimming pool area is a martial arts school. So we jump in there, we rent from the martial arts school and our ring is actually permanently set up inside a drained swimming pool, which is filled with judo mats. And right. It's quite uh, quite punk rock and underground. And yeah. I, think, I think that's one of the reasons why we like it so much. A few, uh, few promising talents on the books? Or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We've got um, we've got a number of lads, some lads that had already been doing it for a couple of years. Um they flocked to us when they heard that we were running it because it's myself and another NXT UK star, James Drake. Yeah. Um, I've known him more or less my whole wrestling career and he's one of the top guys in this country as well. One of the guys to watch. Tag team partner, is that, that right? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so when we set that up and we both put our name to it, obviously I think we're the only school in the UK that's being led by actual WWE oh, really? wrestlers. Uh, so people all flock to come to us and we've got guys that have been doing it for years that people need to keep an eye on, like uh, Chase Alexander, for example. He was already a top talent, but he jumped into our training facility to really iron out the creases. Yeah. And he, he's a guy that everyone will be talking about in a couple of years. And then similarly, we've had guys that only joined us on day one, um, like the Draper brothers, Martin and Barry. And they've so they've only been doing it now for however long we've been running, a year and two months, and they're already progressing. Yeah, They've learned in a year and two months what it took me 10 years to learn. Oh, really, yeah. So it's bittersweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, it, it must be great to, to kind of pass that on and, and kind of just show show young young Liverpoolians that there's someone there who can, can make it to, to the biggest company in the world. Well, another another thing that was strange is when I first started breaking out, the Liverpool's number one um, moniker and gimmick, it all, it all stemmed from me being the only guy from Liverpool wrestling on the shows where I wrestled. Yeah. Um, and I, f- I feel like that was always a very us against them. I was on my own, me versus the world. But now I've got a whole school full of scouts yeah, all you, ready you, to come yeah. out. So do you, do you back up? Do you, do you I don't reserves? know. Uh, I don't know what rankings we put on them at the minute. But <laughs> <laughs> they're not over my spot. Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, the Albert Hall because I believe you you may have entered it uh, twice in twice in two nights. Is that right? You're the only one I, to do I that. I like to think I'm the only yeah. one to do that. Yeah. And uh, um, that'll the be a, an answer on pointless. One day, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was for me. That was so. I've been I've been knocking on WWE's door for years, and I think as most people, if if you start out to be a footballer, you want to play in the Premier League in the UK, especially. You want to play in the Premier League. You want to go to the Champions League. If you start out being a wrestler, you want to go to the WWE. It's the by and large the industry leaders. So I always wanted to go there. This was my first stint with the company basically I'd been knocking and knocking and finally they I got my chance they picked me up uh, signed me to the deal and then we got to enter the uh, 2018 UK tournament so there'd only ever been one before that so it's already it's prestigious yeah. it's it's built up big and I put all my eggs in this one basket and then heading into it that's a like I said my dad's not a big fan so sometimes I tell him things that I'm waiting for him to be really impressed by 
and he doesn't care. He's yeah. just completely no sells it. Um, <laughs> but then on the flip side, I told him I was wrestling at the Albert Hall, and he was just blown away. He was telling everyone that he knew. So that was when even I started thinking, even the venue itself, yeah. this is really something special. This so trained for it like I've never trained before. And then it was three matches. The winner would go through three matches in the one night, and I was lucky lucky enough to go all the way and. Add a trophy to Liverpool's cabinet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, what, what about Pete Dunne? Have you, have you got your your, uh, your sights on him? Or yeah, Pete. Uh, Pete basically joined up with the company before myself. Joe, there's the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, contracts and all this mm. that prevented. But I always wanted to be with the WWE, and I missed out on an opportunity that he managed to cash in on. So Pete Dunne, he, um, don't get me wrong, Pete Dunne is one of the best, not just in the UK but anywhere around the world. If no one's ever seen a Pete Dunne match, they need to stop what they're doing and go and mm. go and dig it out because the body of work that he's creating at the minute is unbelievable. So Pete Dunne got there before me and he was the guy everyone was talking about. And naturally, as someone who wants to be the top guy, he's the guy I've now got to knock off yeah. that pedestal. Uh, I've tried twice, not quite got the job done yet, but it's definitely got a lot of people talking, yeah. so... I've I've had a sneaky little gag at the NXT UK hashtag and uh, <laughs> there's enough people putting me next in line and um, I'm still hot on his heels. And uh, someone else you mentioned, um, which I, I didn't see it at first and as soon as you mentioned it, it clicked with me and I was like, yeah, I can see it now. Uh, Nigel McGuinness, uh, just how kind of influential, influential rather, he was um, in your, your style. Massive, massive influence. Um, it was funny because when I first started watching wrestling, my favourite wrestler was Jeff Hardy. Yeah. If you now watch how I work, it is night and day. Yeah. It's completely different to what he does. And that came through trial and error at training. I went to training. I wanted to be Jeff Hardy. And if you can't be like Jeff Hardy, you're in for some injuries, aren't you? Let's be honest. <laughs> I quickly found out that my body does not want to be Jeff Hardy. <laughs> yeah. uh, God doesn't want me to be Jeff Hardy. He wants me to be an accountant, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I had to fight against that. Uh, and then I started studying and trying to find out what works for me, what I was good at. And some of my strengths came through the actual traditional British style of catches, catch can and using holds and throws and techniques. And then I stumbled across, upon Nigel McGuinness. He's a British guy making waves over in the States. So naturally it's it's easy to jump on board with him because he's doing the very thing mm. that I want to do. So I found ways to find all tapes of him and watch everything I could find that he was doing. Yeah, but very hard-hitting style as well. Exactly, like, it's so easy to get caught up in. He was battering these lads and (laughs) really gritty British style over in America where it can tend to be a little bit more flamboyant. And then there's this British lad just punching people's heads in and using these holds to submit people. So naturally, when I started training, I borrowed a few techniques from him, tweaked one or two here and there, and that actually spawned the the move that I put yeah. people away with, the Shankly Gates. It was a move that he had started doing. He, he does it in a slightly different way than myself. But I took that move from him, found what works for me, heavily rebranded it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in, and, in um, homage. And there my, my finish was done. But it, it's always a nod to Nigel. I always, mm. Every time I see him, I always thank him for giving me my moveset. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I was actually uh, thinking about the Shankly Gates, there was another, another name which comes to my head. Which uh, I think when you when you're on the when you're on Raw in a, a year or two's time, whenever it might be, at the cop end because I, th- I think that'll just be another perfect way of incorporating LFC into your into your repertoire. I do actually have one more LFC move name, which a lot of people seem to miss because my main ones are the ticket to ride, mm. which is a dive and stick your knees in the guy's face, um, the helter skelter, which is a, a spinning throw, 
obviously, which is where the name came from. And then the Shankly Gates, which is what a lot of football fans pick up on. But I do a, a teardrop suplex, it's called. Obviously, I don't know, there'll be a lot of non-wrestling fans. It's basically a throw. You grab hold of the guy, get underneath his hips, get by his waist. But the throw comes from a from a butcher's grip, yeah. which is a, a grip between the guy's legs into a groin position. No one can resist it because you're underneath them. You've dropped your hips and you throw them over your head and they land on the head. And uh, I'm still trying to get the commentators to call it its real name, which is the Phil Bab Suplex. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Phil Bab Suplex. So why is it why is it named that? It's not the infamous incident against Chelsea, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I am the goalpost. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> now, if you were unclear as to what how that move might look, you you'll definitely have a more of an understanding now that we, you've referenced it as the Phil Bab Suplex. <laughs> um, so so what what's next? Obviously, you've got the, the big shows coming up, and then um, you know the next six months of a year. What's down the line? For yourself uh, I tell everyone that'll listen that I'm Liverpool's number one Zach Gibson soon to be recognised as NXT UK's mm. number one soon to be recognised as the world's number one there's more than one way to get eyes on you there's more than one way to get recognised um, you do that within wrestling by moving up the ladder moving up the ranks winning titles winning belts and making yourself the face of the brand so what my sights was my original goal was the UK title and after, as I was chasing for that, I was building some momentum. I was on a four-match win streak, which is ready to earn you a match like that. Um, but what they've done now is they've introduced NXT UK tag team titles. Um, no one's ever held those belts before, so the winners of those belts is going to go straight into the history books. Yeah. So that's where my focus is at the moment. I've buddied up with my my old tag team partner, James Drake, and we're training every single day. I don't, I don't think there's another team in the company that's training the way we are. We own Fighting Spirit. Yeah. We're in the ring every day of the week preparing ourselves for this because winning those belts is the first ever. That's yeah. going to put us in the history books. But yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's as soon as you do that, that's history made, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it, the, the Grizzled Veterans, is that, that the tag Grizzled name? Young Veterans. Grizzled Young Veterans, yeah. sorry. We've, uh, we won the Progress tag team, ti- uh, tag team titles under that name, Progress being one of the biggest independent companies in Europe. And then we held on to them for a good eight months. But we made them into world titles. That's yeah. one of the things we're yeah. quite proud of. We we took them over to um to Germany, to America to defend the belts and we also took them over to China on a rare tour over there to come and defend the belts mm. there. So we're hoping to repeat history basically. Yeah. And you you've kind of wrestled all over the world, haven't you? I've seen you mentioned a tour in China which uh, didn't particularly work work out well for whatever reason. But where else have you have you kind of been across the world? Uh, everywhere and everywhere. China's probably the yeah. one that people like to talk about most because it is, it's so different. Yeah, I mean, it, I, even WWE's yeah. been there that, that one, one or two times, haven't they? And they go around the world these days, so that that is somewhere that you, you don't really hear of. When, when you're wrestling in Germany, it's, I love being over there, but yeah. it's very similar to, to the UK. Um, when I was wrestling over in China, I've been in a different reality. Everything is so different, their way of life is so different, the language is completely different so being over there for the three tours that I've done that's one of my favourite places that I've been I've been I wrestled in Paris um, Germany Malta Malta was strange Malta, yeah. yeah I went there for a holiday to be honest <laughs> the promoter messaged me and I thought this isn't this isn't a very good show but I can get a tan so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was great though to be honest they actually do have a, a, a special little thing it, it's such a small island there's one show and just everyone from the island regardless of north, south, east, west, they all just travel to the one show because mm. it's such a small country. Malta was unique. Not many people can say they've been there. 
that was a good one. Uh, Belgium, the States was great. We just finished a big six weeks tour of the States, which actually finished with myself and Pete Dunn. Yeah. Uh, we wrestled at one of the NXT takeover specials and that was at the Barclays Center. So that's a that's one of my bucket list yeah, things. That, yeah. that was uh, a life achievement. That was the biggest crowd NXT's ever had. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we were lucky enough to be on the card for it. And uh, that was incredible. I mean, just kind of how um, how good has, has, has Triple H been for, for putting NXT over and just kind of making it grow. And I'm not kind of... He's kind of just left it to its own devices and let it become this... It's completely different to WWE in terms of the... The, the rest you see and the moves you see it and it's he's, he's been so great in terms of letting that develop and grow hasn't he yeah there's there's a reason why everyone backstage looks up to him mm. it, it, it's not something that's been you know, forced or manufactured it's just he's he's so hands on and helpful to everyone backstage that you can't help but get caught up in it you can't help but um, just look forward to his input in whatever it is that yeah. you're doing and some of the advice has been you, I'd give away every penny that I own just to get some of this advice, especially in the build-up to doing this. And now he's giving it away for free. He's coming there, he's working with the team to get us to where we need to be. Mm. And he's doing that right across the board. I don't think anyone, like, I think I've got a busy schedule and I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to yeah. <laughs> take on his at the minute. Yeah, he, He's just everywhere at once, seemingly. And and um, obviously him and, and uh, Shawn Michaels were in the ring after the Diablo's Hall show, was it? Yeah. You know, that must have been a surreal moment for yourself, just... What is going on here? I think that was the that was actually the moment that I, I've told people this as well. That was the moment when it all kind of sunk in and it became yeah, real because, yeah. like I say, that was actually my first run with the company, and I was just so laser focused on getting the job done mm. that I tried not to let it get to me. I tried not to let the sort of gravity of the situation take over. I just wanted to get the job done, and I had three matches that night, and I knew they were going to be hard. So I just didn't want to didn't want to get injured, yeah. didn't want anything to go wrong. I just wanted it all to go smooth. Even in those matches, I'm wrestling guys that I've actually worked with before. I've wrestled them before. So I needed to get through that and then it would be job done. I'm on the other side and I can enjoy it when I've won. Yeah. But then once I, w I didn't know that was going to happen. So after winning it, and I'm trying to soak it in and the Albert Hall was trying to boo me out the building. <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned around and a British res wrestling legend, Johnny Saint, who's another guy yeah, who, yeah. whose tapes I've studied. He's waiting there in the ring. He's the general manager of NXT UK. Triple H and Shawn Michaels are two of the biggest names the business has ever produced. And they'd all came down to the ring to congratulate and celebrate. And that little moment there where everything else, the world just stood still for yeah, me. It's best best thing I've ever done. Yeah, it's, it's, it must be must have been incredible. Um we had the we had Seamus on, on one of these podcasts about six months ago, just before the Champions League final. Um and I put a question to him that I'm gonna to put to yourself before I let you get up back on with your day. Um WrestleMania main event or Liverpool winning the uh, the nineteenth league title? Tough one. That's a harsh question to ask someone in this <laughs> he, scenario. He, he said the same thing actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which WrestleMania did you say? Uh, any, uh, you know, just a. I don't know. That's an that's an impossible question. To be fair, I, I put it. Damned if I do, damned if I don't. Exactly. Yeah, I, would, I said the same because it was a week before the Champions League final. Um, Liverpool win the Champions League final, or you're in the you're in next year's WrestleMania main event, and he, he couldn't answer it. So it, <laughs> if you're a genie, yeah, if you're a genie coming out of a lamp, I'd say let's get that Champions League final, and I'll do the rest. <laughs> yeah, 
fair enough. That'll fair enough. Zach, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, best of luck with the with the weekend. I hope uh, you come out on top against Pete Dunne and you've got that NXT UK title aloft and uh, you go from strength to strength. All Thank the best. You. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.